Have you guys ever met someone famous? It's, it's, a little bit, it's a little bit surreal meeting someone famous. These people that you see in movies or on TV or you see playing sports, either, either live or on TV. Famous people who you maybe follow on Instagram and you see their feed, you read their tweets, you watch their Snapchats, you watch their live Instagram feeds. It's weird because they're famous, but on the other hand, they're real people. And sometimes it's weird to see those people in places or contexts that you come in contact with. I have two examples of this in my own life. First of all, I've loved hockey for as long as I can remember. I love watching it. I love watching the era where there was tons of hits and fights and all that stuff. I remember running home after school, all through elementary school, getting my stick, going out on the road, picking my my favorite player to be and playing hockey for hours until my mom called me in for dinner. I remember there was an opportunity for me to go and meet one of these guys I watched on, on TV play hockey, and I begged my parents to let me go and, and stand in line. And so they took me to what is now Value Village, but it used to be Save on Foods back in the day when I was young and you guys weren't even born. <coughs> and we, I waited in line to meet Cam Neely, who played for the Boston Bruins, who is a hometown Maple Ridge guy. I stood in line for three hours until I finally got to this tiny little Caesar's pizza. Not the one that's on the corner right by Value Village, but it was back uh, in the back part of the mall there. And I finally got in the doors and I could see him sitting at the table. And it had been like three hours. I get up to the table and I probably say two words to this guy. And he signs my hockey cards. And I think, wow. The anticipation and the build-up to meet somebody that I really loved watching on TV didn't really feel the same, like feel like what I thought it was going to feel when I finally met him. It felt weird to see him in a Little Caesars where my parents had ordered pizza before, to see him in a town that I grew up in. It just seemed kind of surreal and weird. My second example is cheesy Christmas movies. How many of you guys like cheesy Christmas movies? It's almost the time of year where Mel will come home from school one day, she will sit down on the couch, she will grab the remote, she'll turn on the PVR, she'll go to the guide, and she will flip through and record every cheesy Christmas movie that she can find. Our PVR, like, blows up at Christmas time. There's, like, 40 Christmas movies. And so I've had to learn to find a way to love watching cheesy Christmas movies because I want to spend time with her at Christmas time. So I've found two ways that I enjoy watching cheesy Christmas movies. The first one is I need to make fun of the bad acting and the terrible plot lines. Some of the plot lines of these cheesy Christmas movies are ridiculous. And sometimes the acting is like subpar. It's, it's not good. And so, so I make fun of that. But then the other part of it is lots of those movies are filmed in the Lower Mainland. They're filmed in Maple Ridge. They're, fim- they're filmed in Langley. And so I sit there, almost on the edge of my seat, waiting to be like, I've been to that park. Oh, I've been on that street. Oh, I've walked to where those shops are. Oh, that's not a store. That's like a school, and they've transformed it. And I try to figure out where these crews have been. Or if I've seen a street in Maple Ridge covered with fake snow in July and figure out what movie it's been. So these are the ways that I learned to love cheesy Christmas movies. But in both cases, whether it's meeting 
a famous hockey player that I looked up to in a Little Caesars pizza, or watching these cheesy Christmas movies. In both cases, it seems to be weird and wonderful when our own world, our own surroundings, come in contact with people and moments that seem larger than life. It seems weird and wonderful when our surroundings come in contact with people and moments that seem larger than life. Tonight we're starting this series called God Is. And over the next four weeks, we're going to look at four characteristics of God. We're going to look at four things that describe what God is really like and how that affects our world. And tonight we are starting with this idea that God is present. Can you say that with me? God God is present. All right. So the first point tonight is this. We're looking at the real deal. See, each one of us at the start of this series has kind of a life-changing decision to make. And this is the question. This is the decision you have to make. Do you believe there is a God? Do you believe there is a God? Not one of many gods, not just another idea or higher power, not some cosmological crutch that you can lean on to, to tell people why life is good or bad, but a real, knowable, active God who cares about each and every one of us. But it's strange. It must be strange for us to think. It must be weird and wonderful for us to think about God interacting in our world being present in our own surroundings, coming in contact with us and the moments that shape our day. Listen to this verse here. Psalm 139, 7-9 says this, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol or, or the underworld, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. See, David, who writes this psalm, is using his best plain Hebrew or his best plain English to describe for us the nature of God's presence. That no matter where we go, no matter how much distance we think we can put between us and God, no matter what goes on in our lives that we think is so bad that God can't have a relationship with us or want anything to do with us, no matter any of that stuff, that God is there. The point is that God wants to have contact with us. That he didn't just create a world and plunk humans and bugs and animals and soil and water and plants on an earth and then just walk away. No, his intention has always been to have a relationship with his creation. And this is why God is the real deal. His intention is for his presence to be present in our world and to be near his creation. The next point is this, hide and seek. You need to listen to this point. God is the worst hide and go seek player. Seriously, God is the worst hide and go seek player for two reasons. The first is that you can't hide from him. You can't hide from him. It is a very real fact that wherever you choose to hide, no matter how much distance you think you're putting between you and God, he will already be there. Listen to this verse, Jeremiah 23, verses 23 and 24. Am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? 
Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord. Do not I fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. There is nowhere you can go. There is nowhere you can hide. There is no distance that you can put between you and God. There is nothing that you can do that will force God to not be in a place. He is already there. His presence is everywhere. So that's the first reason why he's the worst at playing hide-and-seek, is because he will always already be in the place that you think you're going to hide. Second is this. He doesn't hide well. Have you ever played hide-and-seek with little kids? Like, I played with my nieces and nephews and stuff, and so they run and they hide behind a curtain, but then you can see their feet, right? Or they hide behind a couch and they think they're really smart, but you can see the tops of their heads sticking out. You can see their messy hair. Or... If you've taught them really well, they finally think they've figured it out and they find a place under the bed or in a closet, but then they start giggling because they, they're sure that they've got it figured out this time. And then that giggling becomes like a homing beacon for you to find that kid, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. But God, it's not in God's nature to hide. It is in God's nature to be constantly revealing himself to the world. Listen to this verse. Romans 1.20 says this, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, and His divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, His creation, so that people are without excuse. See, if you were playing hide-and-seek with God and you were counting, one, two, three, four, I don't know why I'm counting like that. Anyways, if you were counting like that and you looked up, God would be the one in the middle of the room saying, I'm right here! I'm right here! Look at me! I'm right here! Because it's not in God's nature to hide. It's in God's nature to continually reveal himself to us. And maybe that's the point. If I say that God is the worst at hide-and-seek, maybe we are even worse Because God is not a God that hides. He is a God that says, look at me. I'm right here. I'm doing stuff all around you all the time. And yet we don't have the eyes to see the things that God is doing. Or maybe it's not that we don't have the eyes to see. Maybe we have been choosing not to look for God. Or maybe we've been pushing him away. Maybe we see things that he's doing in our friends' lives. Maybe we see things that he's doing around us. Maybe we have a sense that God is doing things, and we've decided that we don't want to have anything to do with that. Well, just because you're deciding not to have anything to do with that doesn't mean that God's going to stop working, that God's going to stop standing in the middle of the room and saying, look at me. He wants you to see him. And that's why he's the worst at hide-and-seek, is because it's against his nature to hide. God is constantly revealing things about himself in his creation and in and around you through people and through circumstances. So here's the thing. Your view matters. As we start this series, I really wanted to talk about this because God's presence is everywhere. And because God's presence is everywhere, that means that we have a choice. The second part of this passage in Psalm 139 says this. Even there, even if I go to the depths, even if I go to the outermost parts, even if I try to flee, your hand shall lead me, your right hand shall hold me, shall protect me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. 
See, we need to understand the implications of this truth that God not only created you, but wants to have a relationship with you. That there is nowhere you can go, there is nowhere you can hide, no distance so far, no height no de- nor depth that can keep God from finding you. It is not just the fact that God is everywhere and that his presence is everywhere and that he's saying, look at me. He doesn't want you to just see him. He wants to guide you and protect you. He wants his hand to lead you and his right hand to hold you. We can believe that our actions and our thoughts can be hidden from God and that the things that we do in secret that he doesn't see and he doesn't care about But what you believe about God's existence will affect how you live one way or another. What you believe about his presence will have an effect on what you believe and the choices that you make. See, if you choose to believe that God is just some being in the sky that has no interaction with his creation, then it's easy to justify continually living the way that you're living. It's easy to justify keeping God at arm's length. Or you can start to understand the reality that God wants to be near you. That the fact is that his presence is all around us so that he can guide and direct and help. That he wants to have a relationship with you. See, God is near to everyone, to each and every one of us, whether we are aware of his presence or not. So will we stop playing hide-and-seek with God And will we open our eyes to see that all God has done for our lives? You might be brand new here tonight. You might have never met me and now I'm yelling at you from a stage and I'm talking about God and all this stuff. You need to know that I believe this stuff 100%. That God is with us right now. He was with us when we were playing that crazy game in the gym. He's going to be with you tomorrow as you get up to go to school. And each one of us deal with all of those things differently. When I worked at KMS, I used to hate going to work. And so I really needed God to be there for me as I went to work. And I don't know what situation you come from, what situation you have at home, what situation you find yourself at school. But you need to know that God is there. God's going to be there tomorrow in the hallway. He's going to be there tomorrow when Leanne's taking her test. He's going to be with me tomorrow when I'm at home just doing stuff around the house. He's going to be with your parents if they go grocery shopping tomorrow. The point is that God is everywhere, but it's up to us to see that he's there. See that he wants to have that relationship with us. That his presence can impact the choices that we make each and every day. Let me pray. God, we thank you for this evening. We thank you that you are the worst at hide-and-go-seek. I thank you that you are continually revealing yourself to us, that your presence is everywhere, but that we have a choice on whether we're going to see that or not, that we're going to, whether we're going to let that affect our lives, that your presence everywhere doesn't have to scare us or make us worried about the things that we do, but that it can Give us a chance to let you into the things that are going on in our lives, to help you to guide and direct our choices that we make, God. We thank you for how much you love us and you care for us, how much you just want to have a relationship with us, how much you want to protect us and care for us and guide us. God, I just pray for our small group time as we, as we go and discuss this some more. 
God, for the questions that you've been laying on our hearts, for the thoughts that you've been uh, bringing into our minds, God, that we'd be able to share that in that space. God, I thank you for our small group leaders and for the fact that they're here um, to talk and to listen and to care for these students, God. We just thank you for how much you love us and you care for us in your name. Amen.